As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. The goals keep flowing for Fulham. Borough have got beef with Derby. Forest have got a Derby with Derby. In League Two, it's the Matt Taylor Derby. We get the lowdown on Hull's new owner and Hayden's mulling over his next move after Colchester swing the axe. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we go again then, listener. It's Thursday, which means it's round two of our weekly delve into the EFL. Plenty of derbies taking place this weekend, so we've gone for Swindon versus Oxford on the panel. That means that Sam Parkin is here representing the Reds. Morning, Matt. Come on, you Reds. <laughs> Robin Cowan's also with us too. Uh, Robin, of course, in the Oxford corner. Yellows. Yellows. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, they're not playing this weekend, by the way, listener, but there are some other derby games. We'll look ahead to those later. We're going to start, though, by looking back on some of the midweek action. Uh, we'll talk the whole city takeover through shortly, but the news appeared to give the Tigers a boost as they beat high flying Blackburn at the MKM on Wednesday, thanks to a goal in each half from George Honeyman and Tom Eaves. Uh, Robin, as I say, we're, we're going to get into the actual takeover side of it, but just in terms of the result, massive for Hull, seven points above the relegation zone now. Yeah, it's, it was incredible, um, considering the opposition as well, managing to keep Blackburn and particularly, you know, Ben Brereton and Diaz out. You know, not a lot of teams have managed that. I mean, it must have just given them a huge boost. I think there was uh, quite a, an entrance for the new man, uh, pyrotechnics galore. Just hope he hasn't blown all... His trans- the transfer kitty on, on that sort of stuff. So, yeah, exciting times. Uh, Sam Blackburn-wise, Tony Mowbray doing his three little pigs routine. We huffed and we puffed, but it was a difficult night. They can just write this one off, can't they? His first defeat in, in, in 11 league games. These sort of things happen in the Championship. I think so. I think he's pretty fair, Tony Mowbray, because there was, there was a couple of really contentious decisions. I think they felt there was maybe a penalty... And there is a collision. I'm not sure who the player is, but someone collides with um, the goalkeeper before Eves heads it in, which is difficult to see on on first view because um, obviously it's not Eves, the, the goal scorer, who was magnificent, by the way. And we'll have to continue in that vein now that they've lost uh, Josh McGuinness. But yeah, no no problems with Blackburn whatsoever. It's been an amazing run since that, that Fulham defeat. It still will hinge on 
who goes out of the door, I suppose, in the in the next 10 days or so. If they can keep hold of their best players, they've got a hell of a chance of the playoffs. Yeah, West Ham, the latest club to be linked to you-know-who. Uh, now then, scans Twitter for all caps club statement posts. No, it looks like Velko Panovic is still in the Reading job for the moment, that despite the Royals' latest loss 2-0 at home to Luton. It led Panovic to say, without courage, without anger, without urgency, you can't play football. You can't be the player or the team you are if you're missing these ingredients. And they were absent tonight. Good news for Peterborough, this result, Robin. Uh, only only three points above the bottom three now are Reading and they played two more games than Posh. They're, they are definitely in the conversation relegation-wise. I'd back them, I think, to go down just in terms of the, the state they're in on and off the pitch, the mentality, the just the whole mood emanating from the stands on the pitch. They're just in free fall and... You know, when they had the um, the points deduction initially, you thought, oh, actually, you know, it doesn't look too bad as long as they can, you know, get the odd win here and there. But, you know, they're just desperate at the moment. And, yeah, no, I actually think Peterborough, you know, the recruiting still and quite well, I think they could finish above Reading. And I'm not even sure changing the manager at this stage would, would help. Um, it would need something pretty big, I think, even though they are not quite in the drop zone yet. Um, it's looking pretty bleak. Uh, Luton fans, fear not. We'll sing your team's praises in our preview section later on. Uh, Sam was at Craven Cottage to witness the latest tennis score in a Fulham game. 6-2 this one against Birmingham. To Anthony Robinson, left-footed shot. Well, there it is. It's 6-2 again. And oh, look at this. Anthony Robinson with the somersaults. First team in 88 years to score six or more goals in three consecutive matches. 70 league goals already this season. They managed 27 in the Premier League throughout the whole of the last campaign. Peter Rutzler of The Athletic, who covers Fulham, saying they've scored 19 goals from these last three games from an XG of 9.3. Sam, Mitrovic didn't score, but you've got a new favourite. Move over, Scott Twine. It's the Fabio Carvalho show in your house now. He's amazing. Uh, I think that's the second game I've sat through and thought, who does he remind me of? Who Who is it? This diminutive little figure, snake hips. It's Janinho, Brazilian Janinho, when he first rocked up at Middlesbrough. How's that for you, retro fans? Um, <laughs> he's unbelievable. And I just come away from the game thinking, is this contract dispute? I think it's still going on or he's not signed the new contract. I think, what better place can there be for a young lad playing in the championship at a club that I wouldn't imagine has got too many money problems for a Portuguese manager, going to be in the Premier League, playing week in, week out. I mean, it's absolutely perfect for a young player, isn't it? Living in a beautiful part of the world. If he's had his head turned, surely by, you know, outside influences, an agent or something like that, because it just seems madness to me. Uh, He was brilliant. He was a, you know, the big reason I felt that they created so many chances in the first half because Birmingham, as you would imagine, were trying to uh, play very deep set. Um, they compressed the middle of the pitch, but he just had had the the license, the instruction to go wherever he wants. Sometimes he picks up the ball in the halfway line. Sometimes he was wide left, which caused an overload with Robinson and Cabano on that side. Um, he was just amazing. But I could say that about all the four players at Fulham right now. They have, they're playing with such a swagger such a freedom. And I noticed as well, I'm sure Robin's covered games at Craven Cottage. It's a lot more front foot. It's vibrant football. There's an urgency about it. I've been there so many times, even in the championship, where it's a bit 
it's a bit sideways and a bit back to the goalie. I'm not seeing that right now. It was, it's probably one of the games I've enjoyed the most this season, the first half. Um, that said, Birmingham were woeful. And I thought, you know, with my tactical head on that, that Lee Bowyer got it wrong in the first half because the two wider midfield players of, of Birmingham, Gardner and Sunich, it took me about five minutes to realise, oh, these poor guys, these poor guys. They were just shuffling out, balls going over their heads. Oh, do I have to track back again? Just didn't have the legs to deal with it. And the change in the second half saw Birmingham give a much better account of themselves when they went to a 4-2-3-1. Are you enjoying this dominance from Fulham, Robin? Or should we be doing that and saying, OK, we'll see you again in a couple of years' time? Or, or is it bad for the league that you know they stink out the Premier League and then come back down and absolutely blow everybody away in the Championship? This is exactly what I was thinking, watching them you know, rack up another, as you say, tennis scoreline. And like, you know, you see... For example, their defence, the two fullbacks, you know, Dennis Adoy and and like Tim Ream, is are they just going to be put into storage again and then got back out if they go, if they go back down? It's kind of it's going to be interesting to see. And Sam makes a good point about how they're playing at the moment. That's kind of Marco Silva's shtick, isn't it? We've seen that. You know, he nearly kept Hull up in the Premier League with that sort of gung ho approach. Is he going to do that again? next season be interesting to see you know Jakanovic had a similar problem because they managed to score in the Premier League but they shipped too many so yeah it's going to be interesting I'd like them I'd like to see them stay up actually and try and you know establish themselves for a few years in the Premier League because it yeah it is getting a bit tired actually that they are way too good for the championship and let's just see if they can just finishing above the relegation zone let's see if they can do that uh, Birmingham wise they might be thinking about just finishing above the relegation zone too bad juju all over the gaff there a uh, friend of the show Ian Danter was on TalkSport explaining the issues behind the scenes at St Andrews uh, this week only one win in 11 for them too uh, Preston 2 Sheffield United 2 10 man Preston fighting back from 2-0 down to salvage a point uh, two poor results in succession for, for Sheffield United after defeat at Derby. Maybe the end of the honeymoon period for Hecking Bottom. Maybe should try and sign George Honeyman to, to mitigate against that. Um, Blades feeling low, Robin. Preston feeling low, as in Ryan. He's doing a pretty good job. That is top stuff. That is top stuff, man. <laughs> um, I think it, it it's a fantastic result for Ryan Lowe, isn't it? I mean, he's gone in there. He, he's... It, I think you know it didn't really work under the previous previous manager. I do think I don't want to do the result down, but I just wanted to ask Sam this actually. When you're when you're down to ten men, it must is it quite freeing almost because as a fan you're like I can't believe we didn't win against ten men. You you get really annoyed, don't you? Because that you think well this is a win now, no matter what time that happens, it's got to you know we've got one more player than them. But you do see it quite a lot, don't you? You kind of throw caution to the wind, can't you, when you're on the side who's down? I think I think you're spot on. Yeah, I, there's one game that sticks in my memory in the FA Cup, actually, fifth round, playing for Wickham away at Wimbledon. We were down to 10 men. And at that age, 19 I was, I was relatively nifty for a big bloke. So Laurie Sanchez just gave me the instruction to just take the opposition on. And I was just going on these mazy runs because you've got nothing to lose. And I always, I carried that through my career that the front players, especially, you've got to get the team up the pitch and 
when, once you get into the, uh, the opponent's half, it's the time to try things, go past people, um, things that you might, you, you'd be a bit safer 11 v 11. And yeah, I think interestingly, you make the point about this game because I did a little bit for the radio about Ryan Lowe's style as a manager and said, you know, he's very forward thinking, wants to outscore teams, attacking football. And I think the bravery he showed to put on another striker after 65 minutes when you're down to 10, Chad Evans going on and having a hand in equalising goal. I thought that was not a blow mind trumpet, but I thought that encapsulate everything that Ryan Lowe's about. Brilliant. You know, how many managers would do that? Taking mm. off a midfielder and going for it 2-0 down and they get a point. Looks like he's on to a good thing. Uh, League One-wise, finished 0-0 between Wimbledon and Portsmouth. Don't need to speak too much about the game. But, Sam, I'm interested in Portsmouth's transfer moves. John Marquis has gone to Lincoln and they brought in Tyler Walker on loan from Coventry to replace him. Is flop too harsh of a word to use for for Marquis's time at at Portsmouth? Because he came in having done so well at Doncaster the season before. Probably a bit harsh because... One of those players that clearly divide, divides opinion, but seems also to score some important goals just when the uh, the distaste, the, the, the dislike for him is growing amongst the fan base. So he's a really difficult one to critique. Probably the move may be a little bit too big for him. Maybe that's not quite his level. You know, a, a team the higher echelons of League One. Would he play in the championship side week in, week out? I don't think there's probably enough in his game, if I'm being brutally honest. I think you probably, when you go up to the championship, you have to have a bit more mobility, a bit more in your game than just scoring goals, which at Doncaster, what he was, an 18-yard box, predatory finisher, the first name on the team sheet. And I think going to Lincoln could very much suit him once again. But I just think Portsmouth... You probably have to have a bit, a bit more. Yes, it's League One, but I think those supporters demand that you probably have a bit more to your game than just, you know, being on the end of cutbacks in the six-yard box. Uh, Sam mentioned Doncaster there. They were beaten three-one at Cambridge. Robin, they're all but gone, aren't they? Eleven points from safety. Lost ten of their last eleven all competitions. This, this doesn't appear to be a salvageable situation. No, I don't think so. Um, it's a real shame, actually, because despite Richie Wellings managing a team that uh, I don't care for. Um, he, I really feel like he, he is a good a good coach and it, it's funny how uh, it just didn't work out for him and then get rid of him and nothing's really changed. They've had kind of okay halves. I remember watching them against Oxford United and they were pretty good. I think they took the lead even, but just a whole 90 minutes just being completely lacking. And yeah, I think they... they kind of almost need to look to next season, regroup and figure out what they're going to do in League Two and how they're going to get back up. Uh, there might be two divisions then between Doncaster and Wigan next season because the Latics moved into the automatic promotion places on goal difference after winning 2-1 at Morecambe. Uh, Sam, they're not messing about, are they? They've already brought in Graham Shinney and, as you mentioned, Josh McGuinness. They're in a brilliant position and, and that is when you should be adding, I guess. If, you, if you're in a position of strength, add some more players, get stronger. Yeah, without doubt, and and obviously they they you know they they're missing and they've lost you know a big part of their 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 promotion challenge in in Charlie White. So I think the McGinnis one 
make sense. That that said, they were they were still picking up points, picking up victories in, in the recent games. They've got such an abundance of of good forward players, but. But yeah, I mean, the squad has looked strong enough from the from the outset. I think I've spoken about their forward players, but I think defensively they, they they've looked remarkably good considering the amount of players that came to the club so quickly in the summer. And there's a number of f- clubs that kind of had similar circumstances and have really struggled this season across all three leagues. So that's testament to to what the manager's done. And I think two really good signings, two excellent signings, and. Because they're so defensively good, I don't see it abating. I, I see them being one of the two automatic um, automatic promoted sides, especially given that they've got this backlog of games, but they've got the best squad, arguably. Uh, the other game that was supposed to take place in League One midweek fell foul of a frozen pitch. That was Lincoln against Rotherham. Uh, in League Two, how about this? Port Vale nil, Salford won, but that wasn't the story. Here's a tweet from Mike Bagley, the Port Vale matchday reporter and football writer for the Sentinel newspaper. Play at Vale Park is delayed because Connor Hall has bent the goalpost out of shape while bravely throwing himself at a free kick. Hall is OK after treatment, but the post needs some attention. Uh, luckily, it was repaired and the game could continue. Elsewhere, Stevenage beat Crawley by two goals to one. What did you make of it, Yamo? Absolute dogs. Didn't deserve nothing out of the game in the end. Uh, Sam, your old gaffer, Paul Tisdale, he's made it so that we can't call them struggling Stevenage anymore, hasn't he? Yeah, w- without a doubt. I think just some really good signings. Absolutely. I, I mean, he had the luxury, I noticed, of of leaving out Luke Norris, who praises us sung at the, the weekend, and he comes on and gets the all-important second goal. So all of a sudden, there seems to be decent strength in depth there. I mean, you look at some of the names across the front line. Andrade was ripping up at Lincoln a few seasons ago. Jamie Reid, a player I know well. Jake Taylor, an outstanding time at, at Exeter. Westbrook coming in from Bristol Rovers. These are seriously good I would say potentially League One players now applying their trade towards the bottom of League Two. So yeah, they're going to finish well away from it, mid-table in in my eyes. And um, it's been a brilliant turnaround. Interestingly, Tom Nichols getting the the Crawley goal, given his opportunity really by Paul Tisdale at Exeter previously. So I thought that was an interesting quirk, especially considering John Yems was a long time part of Paul Tisdale's backroom staff. Uh, so Stevenage on the rise, Sutton too up into the top three after they beat Colchester 3-2. But the real story here, the end of the road for Hayden Mullins, sacked as Colchester boss on Wednesday. They've only won five of their 24 league games this season, three points above the relegation zone. Wayne Brown in for his third spell as caretaker boss. Uh, Robin, this has been on the cards for a while. It's it's one of those, isn't it? We always say you like to see young managers given a chance, etc. But he has been given a chance and the results haven't turned. Yeah, I feel for him though. I really, I really do. I did actually their FA Cup game against Wigan. They played really well. Again, I don't know if that was just because they didn't really have anything to lose. They weren't going to lose any points, and you know it was against a side higher than them in the division, and possibly should be by rights kind of a couple more divisions really between them. But I mean, yeah, it, it just hasn't worked, and it hasn't really. They've kind of been struggling for quite a while now. So it'll be interesting to see if if the change of manager again produces any sort of upturn in results because they just don't, I don't know. And also if this is an interim appointment, isn't it? And who would want to to take on the role and perhaps find themselves in, in non-league next season? So yeah, it's going to be an interesting few weeks for Colchester. 
Uh, another game that fell foul of the weather was the big one in League Two this week. Forest Green Rovers against Mansfield. They abandoned it after three minutes because of the fog. They delayed kickoff twice, but even a fully charged new lawn, no match for fog. Mansfield remained in the top seven. Uh, Nigel Clough said apparently they had a shot. Sam, did you ever get a, a game abandoned after three minutes after you'd made a long midweek journey? I can't imagine the players were particularly happy. No, I can't. Can't think of anything. Obviously, Scotland was was interesting for my three years. I think I've told the story of being on the A9 multiple times, just uh, entering Inverness only to get the nod that is off and, and doing the three-point turn in <laughs> some of the most beautiful scenery. I will uh, hasten to add that I've uh, ever seen. Inverness's pitch was right by the, right by the sea, but the A9... Um, was interesting. So yeah, turning around there and then thinking, oh, good grief, I've got to get back to Glasgow yet when we get back to Perth. So um, that was always interesting. But yeah, fog, no, I think it was always relatively kind to me. What I found mad about this was that like, you, you know, if it's snow or something or or, or like a, a waterlogged pitch, you get the, the guys with the, the pitchforks out. And with this, you can't really do much. <laughs> and the fact that they were kind of, they stopped it for a bit waiting to see if it will disperse <laughs> and then had to abandon it. It's like, yeah, I, I, fog doesn't work like that, I believe, anyway. I don't know if Dale Vince thinks otherwise. <laughs> I always think, you know, Forest Green, uh, such a, I don't know, sophisticated uh, football club, moving in the right direction, uh, play great football, lovely food, yet it's got the most variable weather conditions in the country it just doesn't seem to match for me they need to I know they're moving but they need to move quickly where they're just playing on a flat terrain and where they don't get so many ridiculous weather conditions all right next up today we're going to have a look at some of the news stories that have broken since last we spoke so as we all know at Paddy Power we like giving back to our punters so team uh, let's hear some ideas and what about a free five pound bet builder on a top six clash yeah, might get postponed. Yeah, what about a free £5 bet builder on the 12.30 kickoff? Yeah, but might also get postponed. It's Paddy's Law with free bets on specific games these days, so for this Sunday only, we're offering a free £5 bet builder on any Premier League game. Paddy Power! Free match online bet builder bets only. Min 2 plus legs. Max 1 free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So Middlesbrough uh, continue to have beef with Derby County. They put out a, a long and fairly rambling statement on their website earlier this week. Here's a line from it. MFC alleged Derby County and its directors systematically cheated under the PNS rules and that such cheating affects the integrity of the competition. At least two clubs, namely Middlesbrough and Wickham, were directly affected by the cheating, albeit in different seasons. In simple terms, as far as MFC is concerned, had Derby County not cheated, MFC would have been in the playoffs. I'm not quite sure when they became 
uh, MFC. But this is basically holding up Derby getting brought out because if a ruling went in favour of Wickham and Middlesbrough, it would mean that a huge payout would be needed to both those clubs, which would cost more than the prospective buyers would be paying for Derby. So obviously nobody wants to do that and then get saddled with a big debt, basically. Uh, Robin, they've got a point, Middlesbrough, definitely, as has everybody else who's been in the Championship abiding by the rules whilst Derby were, were breaking them. But, I mean, it seems unlikely this will end in their favour. And, and even if it does, whilst the payout would obviously be good, is it going to be worth the damage this is doing to their reputation? You know, you think of, oh, lovely Middlesbrough, smiley Steve Gibson, nicest owner in football. That's kind of going out the window a little bit here. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that they're pursuing this, to be honest. And it, and yes, you're right, they do have a point, but it still seems a little bit tenuous as opposed to, to Wickham. That feels a little bit more directly involving them. And, I mean, would you say it's almost similar to, you know, Man City were found guilty of FFP and you could argue they shouldn't have, you know, got all their titles and stuff. I mean, it, it's not, I don't like it, but it kind of happens, doesn't it, in football? I think it's more that more needs to be done to stop owners like selling their own stadium to themselves to, you know, to bankroll these sort of things. Um, but yeah, I, I understand. But yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's I don't think it would be worth it just for a little payout, really. Uh, Rob Kuhig, the, the Wickham owner, said to the BBC, I'm fascinated and supportive of the Wayne Rooney slash Derby experience, and it's one of the most magical things I've ever watched. But the Wickham experience is very important to us, and we want to do it right. So I'd like for us to get compensation. It's so difficult, isn't it, Sam? Because he's right there. I mean, it's a great quote, but he's absolutely right. But the, the problem here, the person who has, who has broken all these rules is Mel Morris. It's not Derby County. Mel Morris is not associated with, with Derby anymore. So the punishment is not going to be meted out to the right person if there is one. No, I mean, that sounds like the start of a film, that, that, that quote. is excellent, man. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a part of me that kind of admires Steve Gibson because these wounds are still clearly very raw, aren't they? Um, he talks about being outbid for, I think it was Matt Clark and Martin Waghorn by Derby in that season that you referred to, I think the spring of 2019 when they, they missed out on the playoffs by a point. So he's obviously still got enormous problem with the football club, or is it that Mel Morris just served them up a corked glass of red in, in the lounge <laughs> when they went there? Has he been served up a bad dinner? I'm not making light of the situation, but... Maybe he's just crap at Candy Crush and he still holds a grudge against Mel Morris for that. Who knows? <laughs> I, do, I do admire him. I do admire it, you know, in some strange kind of way. But, of course, you, you, look, at the, you look at the facts and you think that Wickham have got a much stronger case. But it's... Um, yeah, you can completely understand why there's the hold-up because someone's not going to in, want to inherit um, this problem, are they? Certainly not. It's going to keep running and running and we'll keep you updated with it. As we mentioned, Hull City are under new ownership. Andrew Illajala completed his Tigers takeover on Wednesday, just in time to see his new team beat Blackburn. Joining us now to fill us in on the details is Phil Buckingham, who's been covering this for The Athletic. <laughs> Phil, I imagine the mood was one of jubilation uh, at the MKM on Wednesday night. Like, like most takeovers, this one could be filed under protracted. Absolutely. Um, I was at the KC, uh, I keep calling it the KC, old habits die hard, the MKM Stadium um, on Sunday for the game against Stoke. And it was so, so flat. This takeover had been going on for the thick end of six months. Um, in its latter stages, 
it was getting drawn out and I think people were starting to question whether it was going to go through. Speaking to people at the club, that was the case. Um, perhaps just fearful that um, all this hard work was going to come to nothing. But um, yeah, movement by late Monday, early Tuesday. Players and staff were told on Tuesday morning and by uh, lunchtime Wednesday, the AFL were prepared to sign this one off. And um, it, to me, it feels like um, a small a small version of Newcastle United in terms of, of how long supporters have wanted this to come and how sort of uh, deep the divisions were with the old regime. It was never going to heal. The club was stagnant. Ambitions were low. And all of a sudden, they've got... They've got re- reason for optimism with with a with a new owner in charge, and this new owner is a showman, isn't he? A media tycoon, a judge on Turkey's version of The Voice. Uh, he's brought the rights to Deal or No Deal and Dancing with the Stars. Does that mean we're going to see Tom Eaves jitterbugging on Turkish TV anytime soon? <laughs> you might well do. Who knows? I think we'd rule nothing out at this stage with with Adjanilajali. That's he's the type of the type of showman that he is. Um, yeah, he's, he's a real rags-to-riches story. Started off um, as a sports journalist many years ago, moved into presenting and then started his own uh, media company and, and that's where his, his wealth has grown from. Yeah, as you mentioned, all those all those franchises, but he, as well as producing and these shows, he, he, he presented them as well and he's a, he's a huge name in Turkey. Um, 14 million Instagram followers. Um, he's... His private life, I think, is a bit of an obsession over there um, as well. Uh, and he's just, yeah, almost public property over in Turkey. We might not have heard much about him, but yeah, he's, he's a friend of the stars as well. And it isn't going to be a black and white ride, this one, I think. There's going to be plenty of colour. Well, I think from the outside, when a new owner comes in, you, you expect the, the money to quickly be spent on improving the squad. But um, where else do you think they need to improve Hull in terms of, is it the training ground, the academy? What state's that all in? Yeah, well, the academy's in good health. That's producing some very good players at the minute. You look at Keane Lewis-Potter, one of the best young players in the championship, Jacob Greaves at centre-half as well. The, the, the academy's come on a lot in the last 10 years. I think a lot of that is to do with Hull's sort of slide down the divisions. Obviously, young players get a better chance. But uh, that, that would be the one failing of the Alam, or one of many failings of the Alam family's reign, is that for all they achieved in, in getting the club to the Premier League, you know, you see clubs like Stoke and Swansea, they have these all singing, all dancing training grounds that all don't have that. It's very much the same training ground that's been there for 15, 20 years. Modest improvements, but there's, there's an awful lot of work to do there before it's, before it's a, a, a Premier League quality training ground. But... I guess that'll be very much a long-term project. I think the the, the first aim this season has to be staying in the championship. Um, the win over Blackburn was huge, a huge step towards doing that. And I do think there'll be three worst teams in the championship this year. But that's got to be the first step. And then he's made it pretty clear that his, his ambition is to get back to the Premier League in, in, in the mid to long term. So whether that's in one year, two year, three years, he's, um, that's where he's set his sights and... I think that's what fans want to hear. I understand there will, you know, there's more, tends to be more bad owners than good in football. So I think there will inevitably be some scepticism, but I think that is so, it's been swamped by the sort of waves of positivity that have followed this this takeover because ultimately they wanted the old regime gone and that's finally what they've got. And they've got a, they've got a new owner telling them all the things they want to hear. And in your piece, 
there's kind of an assumption that Grant McCann is not long for this world in terms of the whole mm. job. I mean, for me, that seems incredibly harsh given what he's been through with that club. But you said that the the new owner didn't exactly give him much confidence in, in being there too much longer. No. I mean, I, I guess he'll leave with his stock quite high, but what? how do you see the future in terms of who might take over and, and, and the, how the fans might see that, actually? Well, if you'd have asked supporters 18 months ago when, when Hull City tumbled out of the Championship, I think they won one of the last 20 in Grant McCann's first season in charge. It was a, an absolute collapse to, that took them to League One. If you'd have asked them then... Um, it would have been unanimous for, for Grant McCann to be sent on his way, but he's he's repaired his stock by winning the League One title last year. And, and I, w- I would argue against the odds he's got them where they are this season. I, I'm led to believe it's, if not the lowest budget in the Championship, certainly the bottom three budgets. So survival this year was, was the only aim, really. And Grant McCann has gone about his business quietly and, and patiently. R- rough starts of the season, but... By December and into January, they've, they've turned the turned the form around, and so it's a nice little cushion they've got above the bottom three now. And as I say, I would expect them to to stay up. So Grant McCann was doing his job well um, towards the back end of his reign, and yeah, I, I think he would he would be hard done to. But as you see, with so many takeovers, when a new man comes in, they've got their own plans, they've got their own people in mind, and change is is often part of the process. And as well, I, I do think Grant McCann is braced for that. If you if you've listened and, and watched his post-match stuff last night, it didn't strike me as a person that was overly confident of his future. Uh, finally, Phil, obviously we, we're a good period of the way through January now, but in terms of any new additions, deal or no deal? <laughs> well, there's going to have to be deals. Very, It's a very threadbare squad at the minute. No no additions so far in January. Um the, the only notable bit of business was selling Josh McGuinness, who was last season's top scorer. They sold him off to Wigan. So the, the very light up front, I would suspect they need at least um, two forwards to strengthen that area. And probably a bit of extra ex- experience at the back as well wouldn't go amiss. Um, they've, they've, they've come on this season. It's, a, it's still a young team, not not much championship experience. So addressing that would, would be great. And yeah, just... It's going to be a manic few few days this final window. I think with with Tan Kessler, who's the um, a former agent now, the the sporting director um, at the club. I think I think his um, I think his phone's going to be going into overtime for the next ten days because it's they've left themselves with a lot to do. Going to be interesting to see what happens over the next month and for the rest of this season. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Take care. Right, we'll look ahead to some of the big games coming up this weekend next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. A Nottingham Forest 1, Derby County 1 will happen at the City Grounds on Saturday lunchtime. Both teams come into the game in great form, albeit with contrasting ambitions 
for the rest of the season. Uh, Robin, you're having a look at the forest angle for this for us because you're not Sam or Adrian. You can say something nice about them if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Steve Cooper, uh, you know, they've just rejuvenated under him. I think they've they've lost three times during his period there. Just the one tonking from Fulham, which obviously is, you know, pretty regulation for the championship. I think the main thing he's done is tighten them up, which has been great. Seven clean sheets in 19. And yeah, uh, Lewis Graben, who just is loving a late goal at the moment. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this one. Because, yeah, Derby, as you say, are in fantastic form. The only thing I would say is that it looks like now they're sort of off the bottom. Are we, people are now saying, oh, maybe they could do this. And is that going to take off a bit of the edge? I'm not sure. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. But as you say, it will be, it will be uh, Forest 1, Derby 1, full-time score. Yeah, it's happened in each of the last four games. wonder if it might be a farewell appearance for Brennan Johnson. Brentford pretty keen on signing him in this window. Forrest won 18 million. Brentford are up to, to 15 million. So that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Danny Taylor's got a piece up on The Athletic now about the Forest versus Derby rivalry and how Forest fans feel about Derby's current plight. Um, from my point of view, I want them to get relegated and lose pretty much every game that they ever played, but I would like them to stay in existence. And I think probably all Forest fans would feel that if they are brutally honest about it. Um, Forest unbeaten in eight, Sam, against Derby in this fixture. If they made it to nine, it would be a record, but it, it's difficult to see either team winning the game, isn't it? If, if you know what I mean, given the form that they're in, we are looking at another 1-1 in all likelihood. Yeah, I'll raise you as well, Matt. Johnson to score and Lawrence to score for Derby. There you go. <laughs> uh, same as the the return fixture. I mean, it's it's pretty strange going into this fixture and it it being completely overshadowed by stuff going on off the pitch, which I'm, I'd imagine is very unique because there is obviously a lot of disdain between the two sets of supporters. Um, I'd imagine when game time comes, that will be evident. Um, as always, they'll raise themselves for for, for the game, but in terms of selection. You know, Derby, I think, go with what they have. I think they're very fortunate they've got some brilliant young players and someone like Curtis Davis to, to remain and, and Stearman as well to guide these guys through such troubled water. I mean, sorry to avid listeners, but I always go back to my time at Luton and Shinny departing the other day and Jagielka reminded me of this. You know, they're, they're your teammates all of a sudden and then some of your biggest characters, some of your best players are out of there. I remember our captain, Chris Coyne, being sold to Colchester for cut price. Dave Edwards had just arrived at Luton and been our best player for three months. He gets sold to, to Wolves almost as soon as he'd arrived. And these happen; these things happen daily. So I think Robin's point is pertinent there, actually. How long can your focus remain as a Derby County player? How, how long can they continue churning out performances if that gap doesn't close? And... Going back to Reading's result against Luton, that's a big result for Derby as well. You know, I still believe Reading have got too much quality, but Derby will be looking at that and thinking they're a potential side that they can they can drag in. So, yeah, I mean, I think a draw is probably the the the, the obvious result to go for here uh, in terms of Derby players. Eberselli, after what Clarkie said um, early part of this week, if he's deployed on the left hand side, that's a big job for anyone when they come up against Forest right now because. Spence and, and Johnson are, are vital down that side. But Ray Rooney will probably go with a very similar side to what he's gone from the last few weeks, barring anyone else leaving. Another game I want to have a look at 
goes down at Bramall Lane. It's between Sheffield United, who haven't had a good week. They come up against Luton Town, who very much have. Must win game. I mean, maybe for both, Robin, but particularly for, for Sheffield United, because as we mentioned earlier, that, that new manager bounce has, has gone a bit flat for Paul Heckingbottom. Yeah, um, we touched on it earlier, their game against Preston. Massive concern, just looking at the highlights. They conceded a lot of chances, even when Preston went down to 10 men. So that is a pretty big concern. Nine points off the playoffs. I think it's probably a little bit too much. For Sheffield United, I think the hangover they suffered uh, after getting relegated so early on in last season, the Premier League and the way Chris Wilder went, and then having to change managers so early on this season with Jokanovic just not working out, I think they almost need to, you know, accept they're going to be maybe mid-table this season. I mean, you never know. It's the championship and usually someone goes on this late run and, and it could happen. Just feel like they're not quite there yet. Although having read a bit of the local press, it sounds like Paul Heckingbottom has kind of improved the atmosphere. It wasn't great the last sort of few months or so. And under Jakanovic, I think he was... He liked to complain after games about not being backed, didn't he? And maybe Heckingbottom isn't doing that quite as much, which is probably pleasing the owners quite a lot. Um, So, yeah, I think it's probably a little bit too late for them just in terms of I think there are other teams that are better equipped for for reaching the playoffs but that's not to say they won't do it um you know in the next couple of seasons or so any chance Luton are one of those teams who, who make a late run for it Sam what are they seven points behind sixth place Middlesbrough but with two games in hand I think it'll be tricky it is is what my gut's saying just because of well Middlesbrough is a, uh, a great example the form they've been in under Chris Wilder and I think those teams above them, I could see Blackburn having a drop-off, but I don't see any of those other teams dropping enough points. And um, no, But I think Luton right now are in phenomenal shape. I think the type of players that they've been able to recruit over the last year or two, I think, I mean, Adebayo at the moment is looking like a Premier League striker in, in time. I think someone's going to pay a decent chunk of money for him. He was outstanding at, at Reading last night. Um, I had a look, 51 touches. I don't think I had 51 touches in some seasons. So he is, <laughs> everything's going through him right now. Uh, sublime assist. Um, Alan Campbell's been a bit of a slow burner, but again, someone plucked from relative ob- obscurity, uh, standing up to the challenge in the championship, won the supporters round fully. I think the same could be said about Carl Nason if he was a bit of a slow burner when he first came. So there's loads to like about Luton right now. I wouldn't be astonished but I probably still say that they need to do one or two more bits of business to get them a little bit more powerful. I noticed six points last season away from home against the top half teams, 23 points away from home against the bottom half teams and just two points this season against the top sides in the division. So I think it shows you they're, they're the best of the, the, the bottom half, but they still got some way to go to improve to get into those playoffs. And if they start picking up points like this type of game, away at a big club, Sheffield United, more often than not, then they can make that leap, no problem at all. There's there's loads to like about Luton right now. Uh, let's bring in producer Abby to get some odds, courtesy of Paddy Power. Uh, what is it, even money for 1-1 at the City Ground? 
Uh, sadly, it is not, but that would be uh, would be the right thing to do, I feel. Uh, the draw is 9-4. to four. If you fancy um, Tom Lawrence as a goal scorer with a 1-1 draw, then you are looking at 56.63 to 1. If you fancy that to be Brennan Johnson instead, you're looking at 57.28 to 1. But if you're looking at any time goal scorer for either of those players, as Sam has mentioned, 9-2 for Tom Lawrence and 11-4 to four for uh, Brennan Johnson. As for the uh, Luton, Sheffield United Luton game, it's uh, Sheffield United who are the favourites here uh, as the home side, 17-20. to 20. The draw is 12-5 to 5 and Luton are 16-5. to 5. Um, But I reckon you're looking at two draws here. All right, we'll see. Uh, thanks, Abby. League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. The Kassam Stadium remains Oxford United's home for now. It'll play host to Robin's beloved use against Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. Uh, residents near the proposed site for the new stadium being asked for their opinions on its construction. Oxford have said that the ground could be built on land owned by Oxfordshire County Council at Stratfield Break. Um, do you think it'll get the go-ahead, Robin? Um, honestly, I don't know. I think um, it depends how much support... And it's got a lot of support from Oxford United fans, understandably. And I think really trying to push that it's going to be good for the community. And I think that's right. It will be, you know, and they're, you know, they're planning on other developments like retail and ice rink, things like that, just to make it a little bit more of a, not just for people who don't, uh, for people who like football, basically. Um, so I think people, are, uh, it'll be interesting to hear after they've consulted the people of, of Kidlington, whether they would would like it or not. Because I think it is right that they, they need to be asked. The infrastructure needs to be there. I think for, from a fan's point of view, desperately want it to happen because paying rent for the Kassam Stadium has hamstrung the club for too long. I think they've done exceptionally well to get to where they are and keep pushing for the playoffs and the championship. But ultimately, I don't think really Oxford can go much further than they are at the moment while leaking cash and not getting any revenue from owning your own stadium. So I think in terms of that point of view, obviously desperate for it to happen, but it needs to be right for Oxfordshire ultimately. On a personal note, totally gutted, moved to, for um, last year, we moved 10 minutes away from the Kassam Stadium um, and this will be a, at least a, I'd say 30 minute bus. So, I mean, obviously I'm trying to look at the greater good on this occasion. Very selfless of you. Um, what about on the pitch? Not going great, is it? One win in five, lost last two, two nil. Is it going to be another one of those seasons where they're a, a day late and a dollar short again? Possibly. I think, again, I think getting in the playoffs this season would still be a magnificent achievement, even though I do think we have a better squad than last season. 2022 just hasn't started well. I think the problem is, well, there's lots of problems. Quite a few players out of contract and Carl Robinson has alluded to the fact that Maybe their heads aren't quite in the game, 100%. Um, you've got Mark Sykes, who 
when he was interviewed wasn't exactly strident in his decision, you know, saying, oh, I actually really want to stay here. He did not say that at all. <laughs> so it, it's, I think, kind of counting down the days for January to go and for Cameron Brannigan to still be here and things like that. Also, I think Matty Taylor absolutely beasting him at the moment. He's on a little bit of a gold drought and he's essentially the only striker that Carl Robertson trusts. So been linked with Jermaine Defoe this window, which would, um, I would love that. I think that he'd be great. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, do, get out and do it. It's, um, <laughs> it's my my um, advice to Oxford United board. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everyone's been linked with Jermaine Defoe, so it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> Where he ends up. Um, where are you at with Sheffield Wednesday, Sam? They needed that win against Plymouth after what had happened at Sunderland and, and losing at Shrewsbury. Are we still thinking just a little bit short to make the playoffs or are they primed for a late push? I think they've got as good a chance as any that are in that little pack just outside the playoffs. I've got a certain degree of sympathy, I think, for Darren Moore. If that squad had been fit for the season, I don't think we're probably having this conversation. I think they'd probably be a good few points better off and, and sitting in those playoff positions but they've had such bad luck with injuries to such important players and it sounds a little bit like excuses but I think if you just look at their defensive personnel the last few games it's never the same I mean he's he's not been able to pick the same side at all I think Luangu's another one who's been a massive miss I'd go as far to say as if he remains fit then I think they can get in the playoffs still I think he's that important, especially this weekend up against, I don't know if it's still as decimated, but Oxford's problem area has been the midfield in the last few weeks and he, he just makes them tick. But the, defensively, Dunkley's missed a load of football, Iorfa as well, um, Gregory, who's their, their best goal threat as well. So they've not lost any games, only Wigan have lost fewer games. There's just been far too many draws and that's with a, a kind of patched up defence. So they're difficult, there's not a great load of patterns that you can look at you, I just think not having the the same 11 out there has hindered their chances enormously and that's what Darren Moore will be hoping for and praying for in the remainder of the season and then I think they can do it all right uh, it's a long way to Tipperary even further from Fratton Park to the Stadium of Light shout out to the Pompey fans embarking on the near 700 mile round trip this weekend only goal difference keeping Sunderland out of the automatic promotion places but they haven't won in their last three this is the first home game since Chris Maguire gate uh, Lee Johnson charged by the FA after his red card in that game he says he'll fight it so he should be in the dugout here does it make much of a difference, Sam, if your manager's on the touchline or not? I suppose it depends who the manager is and if you like him. I think I'd quite enjoy a break from Lee Johnson, to be honest. <laughs> I, I reckon he's one of those that gets under the skin of the old fullback, um, de- definitely. Um, but um, no, I don't think it has too much of an effect. It obviously um, d- depends what type of character the backroom staff are. Uh, his number two is and etc but um no i don't think it you know he I'd, I'd imagine the majority of lee johnson's work's done actually on a friday he'd strike me as one of those managers the day before the game I, I bet he's very meticulous in terms of what they do in the in the classroom before they go out and also in their shape work he seems like you know very diligent in in that regard um it's been a tough week hasn't it really for sunderland you considering where they were they were looking very free scoring um i didn't see too many problems with their kind of march towards the 
the, the summit of the division. And um, I think the COVID issues, having to recall players, has certainly had an impact. Those guys have had to go straight into the side as well in in, in a couple of cases. And um, I spoke in the, the wake of that Wickham draw when I said they need a demanding centre-half to go in there and compliment Callum Doyle. Well, they've done that this week and gone and got... Danny Bath, Danny Bat. How do we pronounce that? I've always Bart. struggled. Danny Bart. Um, so he is perfect for what they need because they've really missed a dominant central defender alongside him. So going into this game against a bit of a misfiring Pompey side, I think that Sunderland fans, I'm calling for calm and I'm calling for Jermaine Defoe as well. Don't want him going to Oxford. <laughs> Can we share him? <laughs> yeah. Probably be up for that. Uh, here's a tweet from a, a plucky young upstart broadcaster called Adrian Clark. He says, There's a lot of work for Portsmouth to do to gain promotion based this season based on what I saw last night at AFC Wimbledon. Solid enough at the back, but lacking guile, ideas, and brightness as an attacking force. A stack league one, hard to see them going up this year. Has he just done your job for you, Robin, or do you feel differently? Yeah, and I copied and pasted that into my notes. So um, <laughs> I was going to defer to his. Uh, I think he's got it spot on, isn't he? Um, I mean, they are only the only thing I would say is they are only five points off the playoffs. So I don't think writing them off as not going up this year um, is a li- perhaps a little bit premature for that. But it does seem that they really struggle to score. Although, as you alluded to earlier on, John Marquis is out and Tyler Walker is in, and he had a fantastic time under Danny Cowley for Lincoln. Sixteen goals in thirty-four when he was on loan there. And um, yeah, a bit of a glimpse into the Cowley household. I think Danny Cowley said this week that he spent more time on the phone to Tyler Walker's agent than his own wife, which is um, telling, I'd say. So yeah, I think it, it might they might be able to keep Sunderland out, perhaps. But um, unless Walker can hit the ground running, it they they look a little bit toothless up front. Walker hitting the ground running, I like that. <laughs> uh, Abby, let's get some odds on those games, please. We'll start at. The Stadium of Light, where Sunderland are the favourites. They are twenty to twenty-three to beat Portsmouth. Portsmouth three to one, and the draw five to two. I note that it was three-one the last time these two met. Am I correct in saying that, Matthew? Yeah, that would be twenty-five to one if you fancy Portsmouth to win that game uh, with that score. As for the other game, it's Oxford who are the favourites. They are eleven to ten. Sheffield Wednesday twenty-one to ten, and the draw is twenty-three to ten. Thanks, Abby. League two next. Now then, if you're a fan of people called Matt Taylor, get yourself down to the Bank Stadium. There's a two-for-one offer on this weekend. Walsall versus Exeter. Both managers are called Matt Taylor. Uh, Exeter-wise, Robin, let's start with them. They were on a rotten run before last weekend. Luckily for them, they played Scunthorpe. Can that kick start their latest attempt at promotion? Uh, I think so. They've, They've been sort of knocking on the door of promotion it seems like for ages now for years and years um be nice to see uh matt taylor of exeter finally getting them into league one i think what really affected them was they didn't have a game between the 11th of december and the 1st of january um and then they lost to sutton who've actually proved pretty formidable in this league uh since promotion so and then having had such an enforced break. This will be their fifth game already in January. Um, so it's been a bit top heavy. So I kind of understand why they've been a bit up and down recently. Uh, what's caught my eye is this um, 19-year-old centre-back, is it Czech Diabate? He was on loan at Truro, recalled after a lot of injuries, and now 
Matt Taylor of Exeter, I should say, is singing his praises, saying what a great job he's doing. Um, he says he's now got the shirt and he's earned it because of his consistency. And I just think that's a great story and, and one that we see so much, don't we, at Exeter. You know, they, they bring through these players and usually sell them on to, to bigger clubs. And it's just so impressive. And I think particularly as a centre-half, I don't know what your opinion is, Sam. You know, usually you get you get thrown in a little bit earlier, maybe if you're a winger or or something like that. Somewhere you can't cause too much damage, I suppose. But a centre half sort of um, commanding that position, keeping out much more senior players who are back from injury now, it's really impressive. Probably takes you a little bit longer to learn the intricacies of the position as well, I would say. Centre-halves mature a little bit later. There's more coaching to be done. Not saying that. I didn't have, still have Paul Tisdale having me out in the afternoons when I was 33, telling me my hold-up play was rubbish. But <laughs> generally, I think you, you, you learn a little bit on the job as a, uh, as a, as a striker, whereas you can be moulded more as a defender. And those organisational skills as well are uh, vitally important. That's why... You know, in, in my memory, the best young centre-halves were the ones that weren't afraid of upsetting people. John Terry being the prime example. John Terry, I remember in a staff match against Luca Vialli at the time. Ray Wilkins, I think, was playing. He kicked lumps out of Luca Vialli for half an hour when he was 17 years old. And about three months later, he was in the first team. So I think having that having that confidence and that, that character is as, as important as being a good footballer when you're a centre-half. Good news for the Exeter City commentators as well, because he's a defender, so they can say check cleared, which I don't know. <laughs> I'd enjoy that at least. Quickly, Sam, help me say something about Walsall. What do you like about them? What do I like about them? Oh, it's all a bit it's a bit meh, isn't it, at, at the moment with with Walsall. No back to back wins all season. It's horribly inconsistent. I think the lack of Nous to go and go go and get more strength in depth in the striking department has been a big problem. George Miller not scored, I think, in thirteen in the league. Wilkinson's not been good when he's played been played down the middle. Capable of the spectacular, we know. And I think the other option is um a, a young lonely Kieran Phillips from from Huddersfield. So I think that's where they're probably falling short right now. And there's been some <laughs> couple of strange departures this week. Ash Taylor, who'd played a few games, has gone off to Kilmarnock. And Otis Khan turned down a contract, who'd been playing reasonably well by all accounts for Walsall, has gone to Leighton Orient. So I think it's just another season that the Walsall fans right now probably want to forget. And it's not maybe so much down to Matt Taylor, but it's it's a lot of other things around the club that I think need to improve. And and they need to have optimism that they can challenge, you know, one of these seasons because finishing halfway down the table towards the or towards the lower reaches is is not good enough because it it happens so consistently. I think for that club. Uh, briefly before we wrap up, Swindon play Bristol Rovers. Where does this rank in terms of uh, Swindon's derbies, Sam? Obviously behind Oxford. Is this this the next one off the rank? Oh, behind Bristol City as well I would say although in my in my day we didn't have the the privilege I don't think of of going to the old memorial if it's still called that um, I know this game's at the county ground but yeah it's it's a rivalry definitely um, and Swindon going brilliantly Matt I mean they've exceeded my expectation um, I felt that they probably needed to add 
in the forward positions and I'm still hopeful that may happen in the next couple of weeks. And if they do that, they've got to target the automatic positions now. They've still got to play Sutton, still got to play Tranmere. There's an automatic spot up for grabs, oh, 100%. So I think the expectation and the the hopes and dreams for this season have just altered hugely as it's as it's progressed. Um, really good performance from Ben Gladwin last time out, who I think has been a, a bit short since he's come back to the club. So McCurdy's producing week after week and I expect there to be maybe a, a couple more players brought in to give them that push, which would be just phenomenal, phenomenal season, you know, given where they were, had the Manchester City game. It's, um, it's a good time to be a Swindon fan. Robin. Bristol Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> Bristol Rovers wise, Robin. Um, crap season for them. Awful prat in the dugout. Just to limp on through to the end of the campaign and then hope that something changes in the summer. Spot on. Yeah, don't really need to add much to that. They are so mid-table. You know, big talk from the manager after saying taking over and saying most of the squad weren't good enough, not up to it. I think I read there's been 40 transfers in and out since he's taken over and hasn't really changed much, has it? It's been very meh. I think they're on the back of back-to-back wins in the second time this season, can't find any consistency. My only uh, addition would be it's played at one o'clock, I think, this this derby, isn't it? Whereas I think an Oxford-Swindon one's always played at midday, Sam, isn't it? So that's a proper derby, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half nine when they uh, <laughs> get back in the same division. <laughs> Could only have a, a, yeah, like four pints between getting up and half nine. <laughs> yeah. um, Abby, let's get some odds on those games, please. All right, in the Matt Taylor derby, it is very, very close between the two. Walsall, the very slight favourites, 8-5, to five, X to 17-10, to 10, and the draw 21-10. to 10. Uh, One thing is for certain, Matt Taylor will win. Uh, and if you fancy Harry McCurdy as an anytime goal scorer in the Swindon-Bristol Rovers game, it's 17-10. to 10. Swindon, the favourites, 10-11. to 11. Bristol Rovers, 27-10. to 10. And the draw, 12-5. to 5. Sadly, no 13s this week. Hmm. Never mind, maybe on Monday. Uh, You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. Terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops, stop. All right, before we go, after the Port Vale post thing, uh, what's got you bent out of shape in the EFL at the moment? Actually, it doesn't have to be the EFL. I'll broaden it out to football generally. Sam, what have you got for me? Everything I can think of... um just makes me sound like such a diva so i'm not i'm not going to go there i'm going to keep consistency within my game in this podcast social media we know it's my favorite topic what about the guy who's in charge of the social media giving stick to opposition clubs that's it just feels like a vicious circle because that tweet just gets dragged up when the other side are victorious in the next fixture and it's just round and round again it's not your job to do that so just leave that one out, please. Fair. Um, Robin, have you got anything for me? <laughs> he didn't want to mention that he only got tofu at Brentford. Sorry, exposed. We never thought we'd hear that sentence, did we, on a uh, Football League <laughs> podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Games gone stuff, isn't it? Um, it's yeah. kind of in the same, it's in the same vein. Um, player apologies. What what's this now? It's just happening all the time. Um, I think it, it has happened in the AFL, but the latest one is Jared Bowen saying sorry for a miss in the final. I, 
final uh, minutes of the game against Leeds. And I just don't get it. Why, why is this happening? Is this being, are they being advised to do this? Um, are they even doing it? Is it their social media people? I just, uh, it, it's just so unnecessary. And I just wonder, before social media, we wouldn't have had all these apologies, would we? Or would we? Would they have, would the culture have come in and they'd have to find some sort of other medium to express their their sorrow for, I don't know, like missing a penalty, which is just part of the game. I just, yeah, I don't get it. You have to put it on teletext or something. Yeah, that would have been it, wouldn't it? <laughs> club, club um, call. <laughs> Club call, yeah, yeah. Pay forty nine p a minute to listen to your striker's apology for missing a sitter at the weekend. Um, I'll chuck in slightly controversially. Zoom press conferences. I've had enough of this. It's just a way for the clubs to kind of control the narrative and stop people asking difficult questions. I think when we get back to no more working from home next week, I'd like to see reporters able to sit in front of a manager, ask him a question and ask him a follow-up question without the um, the club admin guy just hitting mute and stopping that from happening. Um, speaking of hitting mute and stopping things from happening, that'll bring us to the end of today's show. Many thanks to Robin, to Sam, to Abby and to Phil for joining us earlier. To mainly to you, though, listener. We'll meet you back here again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.